Hey, listen, welcome to the Hey, Listen Games Cast. My name is Jeffrey Morse, and I am joined today by Nathan Wagner. Hello, what's up, folks? And the great Rob Douglas. I love how I get a great. <laughs> the well, great I'm, Rob I'm, Douglas. I'm just Nathan. Are, are you offended? Just Nathan, just <laughs> Jeff. And the great Rob Douglas. Well, uh, hey, Rob, I'm just thankful to be here. Yeah, Rob, <laughs> Rob is so great today because uh, he's going to be guiding um, our main segment for today. Um, because this is our Valentine's Day episode, we're going to be talking about our favorite video game couples and just relationships in video games. And we got a lot of um, interesting topics um, just in that kind of whole realm that we'll be discussing today in our second segment. So uh, you guys can look forward to that. But before we jump into that, um, we got a bit of news that we just wanted to hit this week. And, uh, yeah, we got a, actually a lot of Splatoon 2 news this week, which I know is one of my most hyped games out of the year. I know, Nathan, uh, I know you and your fiancé are really looking forward to that game as well. Yeah, it looks it looks really awesome. And Nintendo looks like they're kind of doing similar to what they did with the first game, where they're hyping up the Squid Research Lab and kind of releasing a bunch of uh, um, weekly kind of notes and stuff like that about the game. Yeah, just kind of, you know, slowly dripping out new information and updates yeah. and stuff like that. And um, the two big announcements that came this week is that um, they would have a kind of a spectator mode and a wired LAN mode, you know, kind of to push the eSports angle, um, which... And no, it's, know, isn't it wired? They have a wireless or, or wired? Yeah, well, it automatically has wireless uh, LAN play, but they're also doing yeah. kind of a wired LAN play for, you know, a more stable connection for like, you know, an eSports tournament mm-hmm. or something too. So, oh, nice. I didn't see oh, that. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so they have, That's you know, really cool. like if you, you know, you and me were to play, Nathan, you brought your Switch over, we could just connect wirelessly and play, and that'd be fine. But, you know, if you're playing with eight people in a really heavy competitive match where you don't want any lag or interference, like you can also plug in and do wired LAN as well, which is cool. Uh, that is sweet. cool. Yeah, and so, so they announced that, and then um, I think the real big news was that Nintendo is doing another global test fire um, with Splatoon, and it's happening soon. It's happening the weekend of March 24th. And so uh, back when the original Splatoon launched, about a month before it came out, they you know, did kind of this test fire, which was essentially just a beta where they had a couple different sessions that went on for um, a weekend where people can jump in and try out the game for the first time and play online with people. Um, and I, I remember having a lot of fun with that. It's one of, I mean, I was already playing that game in the game, but it you know, kind of reinforced that I really wanted to get the original Splatoon, so the fact that this is happening so soon after the Switch launch, you know, three weeks after the Switch is out, um, I think mm-hmm. is awesome, and it's going to provide a lot of incentive for people to want to be able to pick up that game. Yeah, definitely. Do you think this means that the Switch launch, or not the Switch, but Splatoon 2's launch is maybe sooner than we thought it would be? Yeah, or... I, that's what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm thinking probably maybe June or July, hopefully, because... That's what um, I was going to say, June. Yeah, because when they originally said summer, it made me think, you know, end of summer, you know, Nintendo, <laughs> yeah. but... Um, August. Yeah, September. but I think if they're doing this test fire so soon on, you know, and they've, you know, had a build that they've been running at their Switch preview events, um, I think they could totally get yeah. it out a little earlier and, like the original, you know, push out more maps and stuff and updates, you know, weeks and weeks after. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. Splatoon 1, um, I have some numbers here. Um, it looks like it sold a almost 5 million uh, copies, uh, about, you know, 4.76. 
and the Weave user base is about you know 13.5 million. So that's a really good attach rate. About a third of Wii U owners own Splatoon. So wow. it's a really big IP. People love it. You know the Meverse and art and just the community of Splatoon. Um, you know loves that series. And so I think that this is coming out so soon with a full fledged sequel. You know unlike Mario Kart, which is just a port. I think this is going to be a really um, really a well selling title for the Switch. Get a lot of you know people to pick it up in uh, year one. So. I think it's cool. That's that's yeah. so crazy that it has such a good attach rate on the Wii U because, I mean, most games, there were a lot of games that had great attach rates on the Wii U because I think a lot of people who bought Wii U's were really hardcore Nintendo fans because yeah. um, I mean, that know, many people bought it. Yeah, the established franchises, the but, Mario Kart, Yeah, but it's Smash a new Bros. IP. Like, yeah. the fact that it's a new IP that and it has such a good attach rate is really amazing. That's really impressive, yeah. Doesn't doesn't happen very often. <laughs> the fact that we're getting this, you know, no. potentially a few months after the Switch launches, um, a full sequel is really exciting for Nintendo fans. So uh, yeah, mm. be, yeah, look, yeah, look forward it's to that. The right and, move. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Nathan or I or someone will probably uh, set up a stream. Uh, you know, next month when that when that ends up happening, we'll get some footage of that captured and give you guys impressions on the show, of course. So yeah, uh, moving on to our next piece of news, um, Netflix announced that a Castlevania uh, series is going to be happening and premiering later this year, like out of nowhere. Apparently Netflix has been developing it so a video weird, game series. It just, we never heard about it. And then suddenly it's just like, oh yeah, we're doing this series, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like, like, wait, what? No rumors. Well, haven't they been trying it. to do a Castlevania series for a, for a long time? They've been uh, trying to do a lot maybe, of Castlevania stuff for a long time. Like, I know they they talked about doing the Castlevania movies. They've talked about doing a TV show. And they've probably been, t- I think they've been talking about it for, like, not Netflix specifically, but yeah. just... No, no, not Netflix, but just in yeah, general. Yeah, like, the, the developers of Castlevania have been talking about getting out there like that for a while, and hmm. then it just suddenly happens. It's sort of like, <laughs> wait, whoa, it actually is happening. Yeah, and um, they, they have said so far, we don't know a lot of details, we don't know the cast or anything, mm-hmm. but... Uh, it will be based on Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse, um, you know, the, the last NES game they made. Um, and then it is going to be kind of very mature, R-rated. Um, one of the people behind the show said it's they're kind of going for almost like a Game of Thrones-like <laughs> vibe, so very kind of, you know, bloody and, you know, mature and stuff. So um, I haven't really watched a lot of Games of Thrones, so I don't know exactly what that means. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I well, think it makes it's sense. It's a live action show, right? What was that? Live action? Live yeah, action live action. Live Is that action. right? Mm-hmm. That's so crazy that it's live action. Like, I don't know. When I first heard this news, I guess I was automatically assuming, like, animated or something like yeah, that. Yeah, an but... animated series <laughs> or something. That's what yeah. I thought when I first started. I was like, oh, it's got to be an animated. And then they started talking about Ari and Game of Thrones-like and, you know, live action cast and all this stuff. I'm like, really? That's... So that will be, be interesting. nudity in it is what I get from <laughs> I that Game know. of Thrones-like. <laughs> Uh, nudity yeah. and super gory violence yeah jaeger right? on a twitter uh posted like i hope that simon belmont has like like glistening ripped abs or something like that <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i don't know it, it'll be interesting to see how everything turns out i, I think it'd be hilarious if yeah. they went the original kind of costume designs from like the original nes box art because those just look like ridiculous <laughs> like, yeah uh, so that, that'd be pretty well, funny it's and really the interesting, interesting thing will be to compare it to some of the uh, more recent video game movies that have come out and see if mm-hmm. it fares very well. Because a lot of the video game movies do not fare very well. Um, apart from, like, some of the Halo ones, which yeah, they, they are short, short films. Film and, stuff, yeah, but those okay. they always release those kind of more as a free thing. And 
Yeah, in, in my opinion, usually Netflix's original series are usually pretty well done. Like they, they get some good people mm-hmm. behind it. So um, yeah, they else, do really well. You know, well, that's a definitely a good sign that they're partnering with Netflix. Yeah. The other thought I had is uh, there was that rumor like last year, or a couple years ago, um, with Nintendo and trying to do Legend of Zelda with Netflix oh, yeah. and stuff like that mm-hmm. that came out. Um, and they were talking about Game of Thrones style. I wonder if Nintendo said no and they're like, well, okay, we'll do Castlevania. <laughs> I wonder if that, mm. if that yeah, plays into I, it at all. I remember when those Zelda rumors were going around, like that apparently it was like, going to be a Zelda Game of Thrones y vibe. So I, I, think, I yeah. think there could be some correlation where when they couldn't get the Zelda deal, they probably said, well, uh, what's another popular game that has, you know, kind of the same kind of art style and world? Let's do Castlevania, you know, we'll go around with yeah. swords, killing monsters. So, yeah, so uh, look, we'll probably keep you updated uh, when there's, you know, more information on that series. But, uh, yeah, video game, TV show on a big service like Netflix, I think that's, you know, kind of crazy. It's happening, so. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah, how it turns out. Yeah. Um, next, um, piece, next piece of news, Rob, you want to talk about that? Yeah, really quickly before I go into that one, I just want to. We mentioned we were debating whether or not we shared this one, and we'll just really quickly hit this. Uh, E3 is now open to the public, um, and we we sent something out on Twitter a few days ago. So if you're interested in that, hit us up there at HeyListen or HeyListen underscore Games, and share with us what your opinion is of uh, E3 being open to the the public yeah i know jaeger is excited to go yeah (laughs) only fifteen thousand. yeah and i believe it's the first thousand is 150 dollars, and then after that it's 250 dollars. which i mean as far as if you compare it to like gamescon which is way cheaper but you compare it to like a lot of the uh passes that e3 has sold in the past that's a fairly good deal yeah it's not not too crazy for i think they go on sale on tuesday right yeah they do actually if you're listening no, to this right now, it's tomorrow. probably too late. Yeah, but <laughs> um, it's probably okay. too late. Yeah, we we'll, didn't get to go. I'm sorry. We're, we're, or we're hopefully, maybe you got your right here. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I um, think it's I think it's kind of cool. But um, uh, sadly, not, none of the Halison crew are going to be able to uh, attend E3 this year and give you a live E3 uh, announcement show. <laughs> we just due to money and life and stuff. But uh, I think it's cool yes. for people who can do that. That would be cool. We'll 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 try and do that in the future for you guys. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So. Um, the other news, uh, Fallout 4 became Bethesda's, uh, Bethesda's best-selling game of Bethesda, all time. It's Bethesda. Most ex- Bethesda. Bethesda. It's not Bethesda. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, be- best-selling game of all time, game. like, ever? Like, more than well, Skyrim? Not, I, I believe Skyrim has sold more, but it's the most successful game. What does that mean? More what does that active. mean? Like, it's it made more it, money? It's made more From money, like it's been like more popular, it's been, well, it, yeah, with the DLCs and everything, and I don't know if it's necessarily the best-selling game of all time, because most of the articles I read didn't specify that it was the best-selling, they said it was the most successful, which means, I think that means that it's the best, like, in the first, you know, like, year or two, like, okay. you know, sales-wise. So it's like, um, like the first year of release, maybe, or something like that. It's, it's Yeah, like, yeah, and so... That's what it seems like, but as far as it's concerned, Fallout 4 is a huge game. It's very popular, and I'm not totally surprised by this one, especially since it's the first one since Skyrim, which Skyrim was 2010? 11? 2011. 2011. 
if there's any other people it. like the two of you who bought Fallout 4 and gave Bethesda your money but hasn't actually played it yet, <laughs> and there's tons of people like that who just you know picked sure. it up. Oh, Fallout 4. Oh, I'm gonna pick it up. Um, I think it makes sense that it sold a lot. So I'll yeah. get to it eventually as soon as I beat Fallout 3. Yeah. Hey, I played it for like two hours. And then oh, it was, you, it was you hard. Two hours. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just know Fallout 4 um, isn't a game that people buy and beat. Like they just kind of buy it and play it. You know, a little yeah. bit until they're done with it, type thing. So yeah, yeah, and we yeah. Can, it'll. I'll yeah, be we... really interested to see uh, what happens with like Fallout Five and stuff like that, because a lot <laughs> of people, the reactions to Fallout Four was like, oh, it's good, but it's very, very similar to Fallout Three, mm-hmm. and so some people's kind of, they had kind of some negative um, criticisms, just the fact that it didn't kind of change up the series enough, and so like even though this was so successful, I think with the next one they'll need to kind of try and reinvent some stuff. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll hope. Yeah, we'll see. Um, the next set of news is that NBA 2K has... Uh, so, we talked about esports last week, and they've announced that the NBA and Take-Two uh, developers are teaming up. Um, they teamed up last year to do uh, Road to the Finals, playoff things with esports and all, but they're doing the NBA 2K E-League team-up for a whole season and tournament. Last year, they just did a playoffs, and this year it sounds like they're going to do an entire season plus a ter- plus a playoff bracket. And from the sound of it, it sounds like all 30 teams will have their own represented really? team. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, they'll be run by real-life NBA clubs. It's the first official esports league operated by a, a United States professional sports league. Huh. So the NBA is actually operating on this. Which is really interesting, especially compared to your guys' discussion from a week or two ago about kind of esports and how they fit um, next to traditional sports. Mm -hmm. So, so so that yeah, it's kind of they'll have like every franchise will have like someone playing as their franchise in the game. (laughs) Is that like that's what it sounds like? But we're not entirely positive. There hasn't been enough information released to really give us the 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 lowdown on that. It does sound like there will be quite a bit of teams that are operated by professional club players. So so more like Um, kind of like sponsoring and like kind of owning the team. Yeah, yeah. I think think they're probably sponsoring. Yeah, would be a better what uniform they might wear. You know that type of thing and you know, sort of representing their, their real-life counterpart in the game. So we'll see. Um, it will be interesting to see more information on that. I think it's a really cool team-up. I think, really, honestly, it's good for both sports. Yeah, I think it boosts yeah. both brands really well, gives esports a little bit more uh, visibility and credibility, I think, to, like, maybe, yeah. hey, if and there's involved, maybe some of those fans will, you know, tune in a little bit, so. Yeah, and there's actually a fair amount of like a, a little bit of crossover, like former uh, NBA players who actually are involved in esports now. Like nice. Rick Fox, um, he used to play for the Lakers. He really? owns a League of Legends team. Yeah, That's so funny. Um, Shaq is an investor um, in NRG esports, and then uh, Magic Johnson also uh, holds the majority stake in Team Liquid, wow, along I didn't with know a lot that. of people. <laughs> yeah, and then the uh, cool. Philadelphia 76ers also own two teams that they bought last year. Um, you might as well. It's not like their actual team's doing good. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they're like trying? Do, do, you talked about how esports have draft. Are they trying to tank with the esports draft? Too? <laughs> uh, oh man, <laughs> that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day. <laughs> I think with esports is more just about like boosting, boosting their brand and stuff like that. So yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and last year they did the roads to the, like I said, they did the roads to the final. Uh, it was a couple months of Fantastic. games and finally a playoff, you know, basically a tournament bracket and, and in a finals game, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, used to former, uh, superstar for the LA Lakers came out and was at the event. The two teams played and the prize money was $250,000, um, oh. that the that's five players yeah, could, that's good. that could split amongst each other. So, you know, you're getting $50,000 each, which is pretty good. I mean, and really it looked, I watched, I actually, you know, we talked about esports that we've watched and that was one that I watched last, uh, a while ago. Um, not live, but later on. And that was, it was super interesting to watch. Cause you know, I love 2k and watching their strategy and everything was really interesting, but I think this will be really cool to see what, what does this develop into and how does it affect both esports and the actual professional teams of the NBA's image. So, yeah. And see if other professional teams follow the NBA's um, lead and start doing a similar thing. Yeah. Come on NFL. There's really good uh, money <laughs> right there in Madden. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, nope. I think that about uh, wraps up our first segment, our new segment. And so uh, um, our main segment of today's show, in honor of Valentine's Day, um, we're going to be talking just about our favorite video game couple. So I'm going to hand it off to Rob here, and he's going to kind of guide our conversation. All right. So I was kind of thinking through this as we were getting ready for this, and I was thinking about what what type of couples are represented in video games. I kind of narrowed it down to there's two kinds of couples that we find in video games. First off, there's the, the story, and then there's the player choice. Um, a lot of video games have what's called the story-type couples, or what I'm calling the story-type couples. Basically, these are ones that are apart from you. These aren't ones that you decide. They're not ones that the player dictates. They're ones that are a part of the story universe. Um, we'll see ones like there's very stable relationships that are, you know, they're good, healthy relationships that you see throughout the uh, a game or series. Um, ones like Elena and Nathan Drake and Uncharted, even though they have their ups and downs, it's probably <laughs> the healthiest representation of a, a couple in video games history. Yeah, and you saw that materialize wow. in the fourth one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like uh, series uh, would be more like Zelda or Mario, where it's an established couple that basically is there the you know game after game after game doesn't matter if the games relate or not or if they're in the Wait, same. Zelda and Mario get together. Yeah, yeah, it's a new thing. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Zelda and Link and Mario and Peach. Okay, Come on, Nathan. Zelda Come on. series okay. and Mario series. You know this. Yes, but. Uh, there's another type of relationship dynamic called Save the Princess. We see this a lot in um, games like, obviously, Mario is probably the biggest example. But a lot of games that have you, Prince of Persia did this a little bit. Um, basically, you run in and you have to save the princess. And the relationship is sort of established in the, the girl in the tower. And that's, sucks, yeah, that's been around for forever, you know, since the original Donkey Kong Arcade. You're a little jump mm-hmm. man. you got to save Pauline at the top of the... Um, you know, girders, and that's been, I think, something that's been really easy to do since, you know, the NES days. I, I just recently picked up Kung Fu for my NES, and, like, that's what it starts with. It's oh, like, yeah. so-and-so stole your girlfriend. Go to the, fight your way to the top and save her. And, you know, Double Dragon, you know, is the same thing. <laughs> so that, Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. definitely one that's been around for video games for a while. That's been around, I mean, that's probably the oldest relationship represented in video games. I mean, um, everyone the knows next one is. Does. At the end of the yeah. end of every next day. one is uh, what we call a tragedy relationship. Um, particularly, probably the best example would be uh, Dom and Maria in Gears of War. Um, <laughs> so and I won't go into 
I won't go into too many spoilers, but that's a very tragic one. And like those type of relationships where it's a good relationship, or at least it seems like that, but inevitably one or the other is probably going to die or they're not going to be able to stay together. You know, everything goes wrong. You know, those type of games. Um, we always have our great dysfunctional relationship, things like uh, Trevor from GTA and his girlfriend, which are just awful, and uh, Joker and Harley in the Batman Arkham series, which is a you know borderline abusive relationship and <laughs> dysfunctional. That's textbook <laughs> dysfunctional right there. That is, that is. Um, out of nowhere, these are the type of relationships that you, as you're playing the game, suddenly you realize that these two characters are together. And you're like, wait, what? And it has <laughs> nothing to do with your choices or anything like that. It's just how the story is set up. And that would include probably the most famous example of this would be Sonic and Princess Elise from uh, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2006, where we, a hedgehog... I thought, we, I thought a, we banned talk of the Sonic the Hedgehog 06. Like, I thought we're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> Sonic 06. <laughs> I didn't even know this was a thing. I saw this on oh, here. I was like, gosh. who is Princess Elise? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> it's it's, it's a out human... of nowhere. And, I mean, obviously we could probably mention a couple of facts that it breaks every single human nature law. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's literally a scene. I, I think it's Sonic who dies. And, like, the little princess is like, I love you, Sonic. And she, like kisses sonic and he comes back to life or something stupid like i i i never played the game but i i was scarred i watched the youtube video once just to see what the hubbub was about <laughs> don't i don't recommend i it. played part <laughs> i played part of the start of that game and kind of got into it and was seeing where the story was going and was going this is too weird i can't do yeah. this <laughs> well yeah and they um they kind of did that even in a little bit in sonic adventure 2 like shadow kind of had a relationship with like a human girl like maria or something mm -hmm. and but i think sonic and amy was the original dysfunctional relationship because she was just annoying and sonic hated her but he would, she would always fall yeah. around and you know try to get him his attention so anyways keep going um and the last one on story and i'm sure you guys could probably think of more examples under a story but the last one that i thought of was the ones that are falling apart and this would be probably the prime example i thought of was batman and talia but there are many other stories represented um i couldn't remember if infamous was like this but basically where the game starts out and you have a healthy relationship with someone and as the game goes on it falls apart completely mm -hmm. and by the end of the game everything is it's almost a tragedy but it's more just player the game characters own pretentious ways sort of push the other character away yeah most um, infamous games are either like tragedy or like falling apart for sure yeah yeah so that story those are ones that as a player you have no choice over this is what happens in the cutscenes or just in the general gameplay of you know what you're doing in the video game um, the other uh, type of couples we find is the player choice. And these are the ones that I think a lot of players really enjoy. These are the ones that you get. The player gets to dictate what happens. Your actions are what cause these relationships to happen. You can choose to either do them or not. Um, uh, the first one, probably the most famous one, is conversational relationship. This one's always really weird. I'll be honest. This is, you pick certain dialogues, and if you pick enough of the right dialogues, you get together with them. Mass Effect, Dragon Age... Um, I mean, Witcher, all those Bioware Witcher, games. <laughs> Bio, the uh, Knights RPG. of the Republic, you know, like, I mean, this is the RPG stable. Um, mm. but I mean, you pick random dialogue choices and you get into 
a relationship with this person. It's like, wait, what? Oh, guess that works. <laughs> um, another one is performance or what uh, a lot of uh, other surveys and places call uh, task-oriented relationships. Perform a set of actions and you get married. Um, Skyrim's probably oh, the most okay. famous one of this one because you have to go get the ring and then you have to go find someone and you have to go through the set of step-by-step things to impress them and then get them and it's it's odd. Um, I believe Stardew Valley, Valley is kind of like that, right, Nathan? Yeah, Stardew Valley, you have to basically um, build up your friendship with certain characters and you usually do that by giving them gifts and then after a certain amount of time, uh, once you've given them enough gifts, kind of you have the option to start a relationship and i believe then you can get married and then eventually have a kid as well i haven't gone that far yeah. but i think that's how that works that, yeah it's similar so, to the fable games i know too like you have to give a lot of yeah gifts, fable is very much like that as well you kind of have to do stuff. things to impress them and yeah um there are a couple of these ones which i'm gonna call uh wrong place wrong time um and these are sort of the ones where as you're playing the game you get the option to choose whether to do a sex scene or not. And, you know, most sex scenes in this one, they're like this. They're most, uh, you could throw out Grand Theft Auto, uh, hot coffee type scenes in this one. You could throw out um, a lot of times, uh, oh, uh, Mass Effect and uh, Dragon Age have two options where out of nowhere, you Dragon Age 2 particularly has one where you're as, if you're playing as a male character, suddenly in one of the dialogues one of the male characters only says hey i'm into you and you go wait that came out of nowhere and if you select the wrong option suddenly you're in bed with them yeah. <laughs> that just kind of just kind of like that. random yeah i've, I've had that happen in uh some of the telltale games like yeah um, telltale's really famous for that one yeah the most recent the, the batman one like i was just like talking with catwoman and she was like really worried and you know, I was having all these problems, so I'm, like, trying to be, like, nice and, like, comforting and stuff, and then, like, I say something, and then, like, all of a sudden, it, like, cuts to black, and we wake up, and we're walking out of the bedroom, and I'm like, wait, like, what? Like, I I, I don't know what just happened. I was just trying to be nice, like, so, but it, it was kind of used as a, nice a story guy. narrative, for sure, but I don't know. It's yeah. interesting. And probably the ultimate player choice one is whoever is available. Most famous for games like The Sims or Fable. Basically, if the they Sims, can are... Can you get anyone together? Like, you can literally, as long... I don't believe... You can't get children and adults together. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> right? But if they are an adult and you... You can get together with anyone in the game. Okay. And it doesn't matter if you are with someone currently or not. And it doesn't matter what gender they are. It doesn't matter what personality they are. You can get together with everyone in that game. Well, if they're trying to do a simulation of real life, I guess that makes sense. It's true. It's true. So those are the two kinds of couples to kind of, you know, look at. There's the story kind, player choice. Um, In your guys' experience, uh, which one have you played the most of, probably? Um... The one I've played the most is definitely the story. Like I, I see, you know, those stories where it's weaving into where you, um, you know, are building relationships and getting to know the characters and see kind of what happens to them, you know, by the end of the story and where you end up. Um, but a lot of times I do enjoy like the player choice. Like I really enjoyed kind of the player choice in uh, the Mass Effect games. Um, 
because like especially mm-hmm. in that trilogy you were kind of able to carry on you know your your gameplay history and so like if you you know romance a certain character i think in mass effect 2 the mass effect 3 like they would kind of come back and you would be able to like see them game and have some extra like gameplay options based on you know how well you got to know that character and it opens up mm-hmm. a lot of new dialogue and you get to learn more about the characters and so um i i kind of like it when you get to be able to have conversation and get to you know know the characters more and the yeah, especially if the writing's good, you know, like in most Bioware games, the characters, you know, are just so great and stuff that, you know, if I can have the option yeah. to go have a bunch of optional conversations and get to know the characters better, then um, it makes makes the game a lot more fun for sure. But Yeah, I think I've definitely experienced more of the story where the game developers kind of write write the romance into the into the video game. And, you know, I think I haven't done as much player choice. I played Skyrim a lot. I never got married because I couldn't just, there's so many different options. I was like, what if I choose? And then I've like, I'm wrong. Like need to marry someone else or something like that. Yeah. Regret about so getting I just married. didn't do it. Yeah, exactly. I didn't, I didn't want to regret getting married. So and... you scared yourself into not getting married. <laughs> Coming yes, from exactly. the person who's getting married in two weeks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, ho- hopefully I'll be better in real life than I was in Skyrim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, I, as far as it goes, I, I enjoy the story more because especially if the, the game and the developer has kind of taken the time to kind of make it an important part of the narrative and deal with um, relationships mm-hmm. um, and couples in a mature way um, that drives the story forward and is an interesting part versus just like having it there kind of as an option like, oh, yeah, we need to have some kind of sexy thing in our game. So we're just going to throw this in there kind of what, randomly. What's a good example really of, of that in your game, in a game that you've played before? Um, I mean, the, the the biggest one that comes to mind for me is right off the bat is Uncharted. Um, I really like that series. And just the way, um, kind of like we said earlier, the way they deal with relationships in that game, especially as the series goes on between Nate and Elena and how um, that relationship is explored and kind of talked about in a way that is interesting and where it's um, similar to real life where they um, have fights and uh, kind of get together and um, kind of break up and stuff like that. And um, it really conveys kind of a, a real sense of actual um, relationship um, within mm-hmm. the game, which, um, which pushes this really pushes the story forward a lot um, as Elena is one of the, you know, Elena and Nate are two of the three main characters in that series. And so I think they did a really good job with that. Um, I guess an example of something where they didn't, where they didn't do a good job of it. Um, I don't know, even like, like Mario, it's just kind of the save the princess um, thing. It's a means to an end, which is fine. The worst part is after you save Peach, nine out of 10 games, she gives you a kiss on your nose, or even in some games, gives you a kiss on your hat. You're like, I went across <laughs> eight worlds, defeated all these bosses, and all I get is a little tiny peck on the tip of my hat. Are you serious? Come on, lady. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think both both can be done um, if they're done well um, and kind of taken seriously <laughs> and done in a mature manner can be effective and can be great. Um, but I think I think the story one is obviously a little bit easier for developers to direct because they just put it in there as a part of the game and can weave the story throughout versus a little um, easier the conversation. Part of the narrative. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, 
and as far as my experience is concerned, I love the I love the story simply because when it comes to story, I, I'm a sucker for stories. Um, <laughs> and story games tend to be more uh, cinematic in nature. I mean, you think like The Last of Us, Uncharted, um, Zelda, even and even Batman Arkham and stuff like that. You know, you're looking, you're playing. There's a lot of gameplay that goes into that, but there's also the story is directed and played out in front of you versus like the conversation or the player choice where it's i enjoy that i love that i love the mass effect series i really enjoyed the dragon age series um i i've played a lot of telltale games where they throw in you know you sometimes have a little bit more of a choice in those games and i love that choice but it's a different feel it doesn't always feel as cinematic or as natural and so I think the story is tends to be more my favorite, but I play a lot more of the player choice, yeah. I believe. Like, and for me, like a good recent example that I experienced, like a good relationship, and like I wasn't even expecting it necessarily, was like in the the uh, Shovel Knight DLC in Plague Knight. Like halfway through the game, you realize like the whole reason in your quest to like be a powerful wizard and defeat all these bosses, so you can like impress Mona, who's like your assistant, and then. You know, she goes running off, and you think, you know, you get all worried about her. Then, you know, at the end of the game, when you save her and stuff, it's just a really cool ending where they get together, and it's just a really cool resolution. And there's some you know, good dialogue that, you know, things aren't perfect, but they were able to, you know, express each other and just kind of come to a cool resolution at the end of the game. And I just, I really, really enjoyed that kind of story, especially in games like that where you don't necessarily expect it, and then you get like a really, you know, sweet little, you know, romance or story in a game like that those are the ones i typically enjoy a lot yeah yeah i think i think my favorite actually like romance story or um quest um and this would be one that's uh, kind of player choice is uh, in majora's mask when you can do the uh uh cafes quest or however you say it um basically there's a side quest where you have to get these two um people who were engaged but then they kind of broke up and stuff like that kind of get them back together and allow them to get married Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do it, but um, it's this really long quest where you have to kind of do a lot of exchanging of masks and, and stuff like that. Um, and if you complete it at the end of the game, um, during the credits, they'll show um, the scene of them kind of like having their wedding and getting married and stuff <laughs> really? like that. Um, and it was a, yeah, yeah. So, but that's, if you don't yeah, know, that's cool. So, um, yeah. that's probably my favorite kind of like just little side story romance thing. Yeah, I think that's always really cool. Like, the Mass Effect series is really good about that, like, what choices you make in, you know, your companion and that sort of thing. You see those results throughout the series. Like, in what characters you didn't get together, they might get together with other characters in the the universe, or you might have... um, it might have different ramifications for different members of the story and stuff, and I always think that's super cool when it, like, your choices change things. Yeah, and anytime it, it directly impacts. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't fun. necessarily have to do that quest in Majora's Mask, but it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, we kind of, you know, I had a question on here. Which do you prefer? And it sounds like, um, kind of prefer both for different reasons. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, like I said, they can both be done well with maturity, and um, mm-hmm. kind of you look at it like. Um, the player choice that obviously works really well in certain types of games, specifically like RPGs that are trying to allow you to shape the story. Um, and your character, and, yeah. And your character and 
um, that works very well versus more story-driven games where it, you're not necessarily trying to maybe take over your character and personate your character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know, like, with Uncharted or The Last of Us, a lot of times the story was so engaging, sometimes I wouldn't realize when it switched over to gameplay. Like, you know, you watch the story of, like, Nathan Drake and Elena folding out and all these different things, and then suddenly it switches over and you're in control of the character, and you go, oh, oh. (laughs) Versus, like, you know, the conversations in Mass Effect and that sort of thing, you know, it it engages you in a completely different way. It's not necessarily the cinematic, like, you feel like you're watching that movie and enjoying the story of this this relationship playing out. But you are seeing your choices play out, and I think that's exciting. You get to say, like, hey, that's what I did. Yeah, and it's yeah. cool because yeah. you can kind of pursue it as much as you want. Like in Mass Effect, you can, if you want to, you can sit there and talk to everyone on your ship for like an hour. Or like mm-hmm. if you'd rather go out and, you know, blow up some aliens, you can go do that instead. So it's it's cool yeah. when you have the choice. Too. I always set out to between missions. If I did a mission, I would spend the next little bit going around and talking to all the characters on my ship. Yeah. <laughs> That's your OCD nature coming up. <laughs> that is my OCD I nature. I can't miss out on really... any conversation opportunities. But it was really cool because you got so many different dialogue options and stuff like that, and you got to really get to know the characters as well as you know whatever character you were interested in that game. I chose Ashley. Some people don't like her. I I Ooh. liked her, but <laughs> but obviously Jeff didn't. But you know I would spend time getting to know her more between missions and stuff. You know all the games, and you kind of you get to see the character differently and stuff and so i know you were uh you were a miranda fan oh yeah australian <laughs> accent, so... man genetically perfect <laughs> how, how can you go wrong <laughs> <laughs> so um but here i'd like to get a little controversial before we re- we go into sort of our top favorites and some other stuff about that let's get a little controversial sex and Uh-oh. games um, we kind of already hinted at this one. Um, we kind of already hinted at sort of that sex scene that comes out of nowhere or, you know, sort of the uh, you make the wrong conversation choice in Telltale Games is suddenly, or the right choice, depending on your opinion, and suddenly <laughs> you're in bed with them and you go, wait, whoa, what? Um, a lot of games nowadays use sex to solidify a relationship or a couple. And, I mean, this is not necessarily... Uh, a cultural tactic that's done just in our uh, video games. It's also done in our TV shows and movies. Yeah, it's done you in know, TV shows, yeah. In books, it's kind of the if you want the couple, if you want to make people know that the couple is serious, you throw in a sex scene, mm-hmm. or sure. you know, and it's you know, relationships have to kind of revolve around that, and particularly in player choice games, because um, you get to pick that. And when you pick those things, you know, particularly Mass Effect, Dragon Age, um, Fable, The Sims, a lot of times the relationships get solidified by a sex relationship. And you kind of go, whoa, wait, what? Or maybe you're excited about that. Maybe that's just your opinion. Um, Some examples, obviously I mentioned a couple, but like the Telltale games are really into this. Uh, GTA, there's a lot of sex scenes. God of War has uh, rhythm sex games. Yeah, God, God of War has three little mini games. Like literally, yeah. like I've I played, you know, uh, I played through all the way through three, and like mm-hmm. there's a point where you just get to this room and she wants to like sleep with you, and you go over there and like push a button to talk to her, and then it pans away and shows like these other 
like people who are like watching and you hear like all you know all the sound effects and all the voices and you're just pushing buttons to a rhythm and then you do it and you just get like mm-hmm. rewarded i think with health or experience or something and then it's you actually worked in, yeah it's like worked into the narrative later like she's actually married to like one of like the kind of like almost boss characters in the game and so it's just like this weird thing of like oh you're angry Krotos man who everyone hates and oh now you go around and you sleep with people's wife and you show them that you're the big you know man who's to be scared and I I didn't really enjoy that I thought that was kind of unnecessary wow they've they've come a way to even work it into the narrative because I remember playing uh, God of War 1 literally like the very beginning of the game there's just like these two uh, prostitutes or whatever you can sleep with and there's literally Mm -hmm. no point doesn't affect the story at all you can just just do it and get a bunch of experience yeah yeah yeah, well especially you know when that first one came out like you know this whole kind of topic of sex and games was very new and not not a lot of games did it so i'm sure for those first two games they did it you know to kind of say you know this is a mature game and you know to get attention but um, edgy game yeah yeah yeah. definitely so then with that kind of in mind, obviously, um, God of War is sort of an odd example because it's not necessarily to solidify a relationship, but it does kind of come out of nowhere and it's sort of throw in a sex scene because, well, we might as well have one of those in there. This game has everything um, else like, mature. <laughs> um, as far as sex scenes and games to solidify the relationship or a couple, do you think that is necessary and why or why not? Um, I think it depends on how it's done. Um Obviously, like you talked about, um, a lot of other things in in our culture um, do similar things like TV shows or a movie or a book or whatever. They use sex as a way to solidify the relationship. And so if it's done in a kind of mature um, manner that works well where it's not it's not like done to kind of as a fan service basically for the player where like yeah, kind of done so that the player can like see like these giant – uh, pixelated boobs or whatever it is um, <laughs> if it's done as a part of the story yeah um, I, I think it can work well yeah um, I, if it's I, just done to kind of as fan service and stuff like that yeah, which I, you know I, a I lot kinda, of video games that was kind of the criticism yeah i, I kind of agree was like, that a lot of video games i can think of two specific examples where it kind of shows where it kind of builds the character a little bit uh, but it doesn't necessarily show anything uh as far as i remember too much um which would be Uncharted 2 with Nathan Drake and Chloe. It's implied mm-hmm. that they do something together, but it doesn't really necessarily show it and you know give you fan service or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it kind of shows a little bit more about you know that character of Chloe and what she's like and what her relationship with Drake is like. And then um, another one was Assassin's Creed 2. You kind of start off, and I think you it's implied that you were you know in a bedroom at night with a woman or whatever and it kind of shows that hey at the start of your story you're this kind of young on uh, person who's a you know playboy mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it and so it kind of you can see the character evolve throughout the game or the series or whatever so if it's done in ways yeah. like that i think i'm fine with it but if it's just you know like we kind of talked about god of war it's just there because to you know make the game more yeah. or get attention it's it's not needed for in most cases but yeah and like assassin's creed 2 is a good example i didn't bring that one up yeah, I didn't bring up any of the Assassin's Creed games, which is weird for me. But <laughs> Assassin's Creed 2 is kind of that, that one game. It's a tragedy um, because you start out with this. He's a playboy. He has all those different things. And as the game, you know, and then like 20 minutes into the game, everything falls apart. And yeah. 
it's sort of him maturing in his, you know, and they use that sex yeah, I, to kind of. I enjoyed of, that. Like, I thought it was well done. To make it, you know, you make it go, wow, this kid is so dumb. And then as the game goes on, by the end of the game, you sort of go, wow, he's grown up a lot. Um, or like even in Assassin's Creed 4, his, uh, he has a relationship at the beginning of the game and it falls apart throughout the game, you know, and like it's solidified with sex near the start but then as time goes on he sort of you know he goes off to other people and all these different things and but like yeah i like what you said and i believe like uh telltale batman you mentioned it as sort of like the Catwoman thing came out of nowhere but to a certain extent it does help with the yeah, the characters they, there. it creates a bit of a story yeah. yeah i don't want to get into spoilers but basically the scene right after that leads into a confrontation with a third party who's involved with Catwoman and you know, Bruce Wayne and stuff. So it, it seemed like it was less of a choice that I made and more just part of the narrative. It was more of a story thing, mm-hmm. an example. But yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I had another one I was thinking of. I, I forgot about it. Um, I'll, I'll let you know if I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I love what you said, Nathan, as far as our culture is concerned, it's, it's part of what is expected a lot of the times. And, that means that we're going to see it. Yep. Oh, but uh, as long as it's not done just yeah. as fan service. Well, one that I thought of, just, you know, for a good example of writing and relationships in a game is uh, um, Red Dead Redemption. John Marston, like, you think that guy would be, you know, a dirty cowboy who's just mm-hmm. ruthless and stuff. But he actually has a wife, and he seems like he's very devoted to her throughout the whole story. And the whole, you know, narrative is him, you know, trying to get rid of these guys who are trying to track down and, you know, get his family and stuff. And, um, he has a relationship with someone he meet in the very beginning named Bonnie, who runs a farm. And they have this, you know, very platonic relationship, even though it seems like they would, you know, get along really well in a relationship. And, you know, I feel like a lot of games would fall the temptation of, ooh, do you want to, you know, have an affair or do something with this other lady or fool around with other people? But um, as far as I know, there's no option to do any of that kind of stuff in the game. And it kind of... I don't believe so. Yeah, it keeps... It shows that, hey, Marston is very committed you know, and is in this great relationship with his wife, but mm-hmm. you don't really see her for, like, the whole game, and, you you know, don't have any sex scenes or anything like that. So I think, you know, yeah. stories like that, I think, could do a really good job with relationships, and you don't need to have any of this kind of stuff in there. So that was an example yeah. I wanted to point out. It sounds like um, one of my next questions was, does sex have a place in games? And it sounds like we all agree it sort of does, depending on the story. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, obviously, I think it just depends on the way it's handled. And, mm. um, you know, Gabe, this is kind of, like you said, it's kind of been an issue in games since kind of the early 2000s when it was more of a no immature way of handling sex and novelty and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. it's adding, it's coming in more and more. Um, and I think developers are kind of recognizing doing a better game of um, putting sex in their, for the most part, um, putting sex in their games. But, yeah, I think as far as the narrative, if it goes well together and it's done in a way that isn't super, like I said, fan service. Um, the real question then it can work. is, yes. will the next Animal Crossing game have relationships, finally? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> You're like a person. Another you have all of these villagers are all animals. Like, I don't want to have a relationship as a person with well, an no, animal. Like, like that's they, just wrong on so many levels. No, if they start having, like, 
either a relationship with <laughs> other villagers who move into your town too, or something like that. Like, would you want that in a Animal Crossing uh, game, kind of like Stardew Valley type thing or something? That would be interesting. I'm, I think it's better it would be an interesting mechanic for them to play with them, but mm. I think the, the appeal of Animal Crossing, especially it being aimed at kids and stuff like that, is so much that I think Nintendo doesn't want to deal with that, and so they'd rather just leave yeah. it out. Yeah, um, Besides, the sex uh, scenes would so, be weird. Okay, I did oh, say that. <laughs> hey, I uh, so uh, my fiance, I'm getting married in a couple weeks, and uh, I dated her long distance for like a year, and during that time, we used to um, <laughs> hang out and uh, play Animal Crossing together. That's so funny. As a um, kind of as virtual dates or whatever. Um, would you like so, give you know. her like gifts and like bells and stuff like that? She'd be like, "Oh, nah, man, Nathan's yeah, so great." Go. No, we'd usually just go play together <laughs> and stuff like that. I didn't, I didn't like buy like give her a bunch of bells or like be like, "Here's my golden shovel. You can have it." I'm a, I'm a little selfish. <laughs> You're like, "That's my golden <laughs> shovel. I work for this thing. I'll let you have that, this like, this carry I just caught." But uh... <laughs> Ooh, that's yeah. Well, and I think one thing, kind of looking back a little bit at the sex thing here, um, I think one thing that's really important with video games in general is not all video game developers. Obviously, we still have um, uh, Deep, or is it Deep Silver who does the uh, Saints Row series? Uh, I think so. Um, Teach. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's something something like that. Don't quote me on that on Twitter, but. the the kind of Saints Row games, we have a few of those that are still don't really take the industry or the world seriously. But we obviously have sort of um, starting in about 2008, 2009, we started to have this video games in general start to move to be taken more seriously as a media and art form and yep. a story narrative. And so I think sex scenes have kind of taken place in that because obviously like some of the games we mentioned, The Sims have been around since early 90s uh fable was an early 2000 series uh grand theft auto has even calmed down some of their sex in their games um not necessarily but a lot of time there is a little bit more of it involved with a story and less of just i have no idea I've, you I get to, go to have it, to have it. just sleep games. with prostitutes all the time um yeah. there's families and stuff going on in there as well as you know it just seems like as an art form and a narrative that sex scenes that are they're starting to take them a little bit more maturely and trying to put them out there as something that is more story driven and less of fan service. Yeah, you, yeah definitely. You would hope. And I think it's a, it's important or I find it interesting cause I've found, um, it's been more story driven and kind of narrative focused in more, uh, Western developed game versus, uh, like Japanese developed games. I, there's some games where I still feel like it's just kind of fan service. Oh, yeah, and you're always going to have your series and games that are fan service. I mean, you look at movies, there's always going to be the fan service movies, but... Look at the most recent example. Konami just announced Super Bomberman Girl, like, (laughs) Super Bomberman, and it's all just, like, fan service of, like, oh, all these girls who are technically Bomberman, but they're dressed up like girls that are fan service, and there you go. Yeah, yeah. So you're obviously going to still always get your fan service, and obviously there's, like, our St. Rose theory that is literally all just stupid, make fun of everything, genre-savvy fan service. 
Yeah. And so you're and they're making a new yeah. game here that's pretty seems to be very much along the same lines. So we're always always going to get that. But um, kind of a, just a, a thought, and we kind of hit on this a little bit. But is there a better way to do relationships in video games, like particularly sex? Um, if I mean, I'm sure there is, but. I am not smart enough to be able to say what that way is. <laughs> I think just figuring out what games it is appropriate in and which games it's unnecessary, it would, I think it's just what people mm. need to, to figure out because I don't think every game should have it just just to have it. But, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. it, it is okay in certain games. Yeah, and if, if video games are trying to, to, be dr- to drive forward and be taken seriously as an art form, etc., um, people aren't going to be able to mainstream media and stuff like that. Aren't going to be able to take that as seriously if it's mm-hmm. in games just to be just to be there, basically. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I think I think moving on a little bit from here, let's just kind of close out with this talk of just kind of like our favorite couples in video game history. Uh, what do you guys think? Um. Okay, so wait, favorite couples or favorite? Yeah, like the best, best couple. Best couple. Games. What okay. is your best I'll couple? Go ahead. I still have. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> oh, all right. So I, I would say my best couple. I already kind of mentioned it, and I obviously have a little bit of a love for them. But uh, Elena and Drake and the Uncharted series has been probably my favorite couple to watch develop over the series and see their relationship. And like I've said before, I think they have the best and most healthiest real, you know, real life accurate relationship out of all video game couples I've ever seen. Sure. Cool. For me, I have to go with Zelda and Link because in every Zelda game, um, for the most part, where they're both, you know, main featured in the story, they, a lot of times they don't even really know each other super well. Like they kind of meet, uh, but they both know they kind of have a greater purpose and they put mm-hmm. put aside, you know, what they would personally prefer or what would be comfortable, you know, and uh, sacrifice things for the greater good. You know, Zelda so often, you know, sacrificing herself to, you know, seal bad guys and, you know, send them yeah. back in time or in the future and stuff like that. So um, I just think, you know, that really materialized in Skyward Sword when you like the whole, you know, first couple hours of that game was just you getting to know Zelda and building that relationship. And it made me so motivated throughout the rest of that game to go find Princess Zelda and, you know, have it, uh, you know, be this awesome relationship where you're trying, that you're trying to restore it to throughout the whole game. So I'm excited, you know, to see more of that in uh, Breath of the Wild. It looks like Zelda is going to be pretty much like a companion almost who's going to be traveling and doing a lot of different things in the game uh with you and she looks very independent and she's showing lots of emotion and you know there's that that, that trailer clip still is in she my looks, mind of, of zelda dude, like crying honestly that, her eyes out and link like you know she looks kind of really her. young i almost think of her not really as in, in a couple way but almost more of like a brother sister similar to like uh, Maybe, wind yeah. waker well um, i think that's just, just also the, the japanese art style of the game <laughs> I guess we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll see how we'll see. I think, I think it just really depends because obviously, like Zelda is such a long-running series, and yeah. obviously they can't always make it the Link and Zelda together. But well, yeah, well, that's it, to a certain like, extent they can. Even if it's not romantic, just the fact that they're always in this, you know, relationship where they realize they mm-hmm. both need each other and sacrifice things for each other and for the greater good is you know what makes it appealing yeah. to me. So yeah, definitely. 
Um, you guys took both of mine, so <laughs> I'm actually going to switch it up, and I'm going to go with uh, Bowser and Peach as the best what? couple <laughs> in video games. No! Uh, Bowser is eternally in love with Peach and is always trying to get her. Even in Super Mario Sunshine, uh, he tells his son Bowser Jr. that uh, she, he seems to think that Peach is his mother and uh, calls mama her Mama. Peach. Mama Peach. And in the newest Super Mario Odyssey, they're finally getting married. So hopefully no. we'll see the conclusion to that relationship. Um, I'm going to stop my foot. I just think it's, it's so hilarious hard that, that I, I think it's hilarious that at first Nintendo was like, oh, yeah, Bowser's just kind of stealing Peach, whatever. And then they kind of bought into like the whole Bowser is in love with Peach. Um, <laughs> so weird to think. Especially like uh you pointed out um with the switch uh parental trailer jeff like uh mm-hmm. peach was the background on bowser's phone and yeah. stuff like that <laughs> that little video <laughs> yeah so, well and the also fact that they're leading into that is hilarious in my opinion let's be honest peach is you know for the most part you know and they put her in games she seems like a very intelligent person how would she be caught and kidnapped by bowser so many times <laughs> Well, you don't to. you don't get you don't get caught or kidnapped by Bowser that many times unless you want to. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think they even kind of hinted towards that. And I think it was the original Paper Mario, like Peach is kind of like trapped by Bowser, and but he's like holding her hostage in a very like comfortable like environment, and he's trying to you know mm-hmm. be like sweet talker and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's interesting because the- I thought they were kind of going away from that narrative with Mario 3D World, like. You know, Bowser is the main bad guy, but, like, Peach was the main character. She wasn't kidnapped. Mm-hmm. You can kick Bowser's butt as Peach. Um, but then now we have Mario Odyssey coming out where, you know, they're getting married and Peach is wearing a white dress and Bowser has this pimpin' white, you know, suit with a top hat. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> it'll be good. What they do. Fingers crossed. There he is. Um, and just kind of wrap it up here. What do you guys think is the worst couple in video games? <laughs> Worst couple in video game history, Donkey Kong and Candy Kong from the Donkey Kong series. Oh my <laughs> Where they gosh, tried to I make knew that one had to come A up. girl version of DK who was supposed to be kind of fan service and DK would goo goo googly eyes for. And she just saved your game gosh. and blow kisses at you. And they made it really weird in Donkey Kong 64 when they brought her back. And it had, like, this sexy sax music, like, whenever you went into her shack. And she talked in all these innuendos. And you're like, I feel uncomfortable <laughs> with this monkey who's supposed to be attractive. <laughs> so that, that, that's my worst. Like, I have so many mixed feelings and none of them are right. Yeah, like, like Diddy and Dixie was fine. Like, Dixie is technically Diddy's girlfriend. But it was essentially just, you know, a, a girl version of Diddy, a second player who had a new ability. Mm-hmm. But... The, the, the whole candy Donkey Kong thing just weirded me out. I'm glad we haven't seen anything of candy since Donkey Kong 64. She's kind of kind of gone oh, now. Yeah. But anyways, that's, that's mine. I am uh, going to go with the worst is uh, uh, Star Fox and Crystal. Oh, um, good choice. Star Fox <laughs> oh, Assault. man. Uh, Crystal was in, she was in that uh, Star Fox Adventures, right? Jeff, yeah, that, you played that. That was her correct? debut was Adventures. She, she was kind of like... Okay. A, one who introduced the story and then she was also uh in assault yeah in star fox assault like uh she kind of comes on as fox's girlfriend there's even i think a scene where they like kiss or something like that it's very weird really but she replaces peppy basically in that game 
and another reason it's kind why of I annoying. Like and Fox is like, oh, I'll save you, Crystal, and it goes off and does all this dumb stuff. And yeah, that was just a very big misstep. But <laughs> yeah, well, and the weirdest thing was too, like Crystal and Adventure, she had like really like skimpy clothing and like it just mm-hmm. it was kind of candy kong over again they're trying to make like this furry animal like sexualized a little bit and it was just like what no like i don't want that like it's weird no no so yeah, yeah. Good, good choice um i've been going back and forth on this one for a while like because obviously there's you know like the sims every couple is horrible <laughs> every couple <laughs> Wow. Uh, we already mentioned like Sonic and Princess Elise. Um, I'm gonna go with Mario and Peach. Ooh, wow! <laughs> I think Ooh. they are the worst couple in video games. Like, Why? I mean, you even said it. You even said it earlier, Jeff, that uh, Peach gives Mario like a kiss on the nose or the hat whenever like he saves her, or like, <laughs> or like he's, or she'll be like, "I'll bake you a cake," and that's it. Like how how am I gonna thank you for saving like killing all these hundreds of Goombas and you know Koopas and all these different things and taking out Bowser finally and risking your life and dying probably a billion (laughs) times on the way up there? How am I gonna repay you? I'll make you a cake. (laughs) To to be fair, Mario does. What do they do on their weekends? And what do they do on their weekends? They go and they play tennis against each other, and then they go blow each other up in Mario Kart or stuff like that. Like, honestly, worst relationship ever. <laughs> they do tend to get in a lot of fights, I guess. Maybe I mean, that's, maybe that's what happens when she goes to Bowser. running back to Bowser. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe that's why she keeps going back to Bowser. I'm excited to see the next chapter in the Mario, Peach, Bowser love triangle and uh, to see yeah. where that escalates to in Odyssey. That'll be funny. Hilarious. Oh, man. All right, if, if you guys could date one video game character, who would you date? <laughs> okay, so when I was in college, I had to write a paper on uh, – <laughs> uh, it was a, a theology class. It was a religious class, and uh, I, had to, I think I did, like, a theology of Zelda or something like that, whatever. But I basically wrote it, like, as soon as I finished playing Skyward Sword – and I went up and did this presentation in class. And disclaimer, and basically Nathan just was talked like about how obsessed with Zelda and like the whole love, <laughs> how great the love part of that story, the romance. He was all he was all the in. romance. I was, and so I went up and gave this presentation <laughs> in class and talked about how much I thought Zelda in Skyward Sword was just amazing and so cute, and she was <laughs> just a fantastic character, <laughs> very attractive. <laughs> I don't know how I got away with that, but that's what I did for my presentation. It was great. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'd have to say Zelda from Skyward Sword. You're they did a really Zelda. great job with the romance yeah. in that game. Specifically and kind of the Skyward, Skyward Sword. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, specifically Skyward Sword. Yeah, she was, um, she was good. I'm going to go back to this one again. Um, I'd say Elena. I mean, I, from Uncharted. Obviously, you know, her and Drake, great couple. But, you know... Elena is super cool. I love her story development. I love how she's super, like, just kick butt and just, like, I want to, you know, just go on the adventures and stuff like that and just, like, not willing to just settle down and, you know, stay around and do something like that. It would be a fun date. I mean, what did you do? Probably, like, <laughs> skydiving or something like that. That would be an you awesome probably date. Go skydiving. <laughs> like, uh, skydiving without a parachute. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think... You know, didn't, didn't they do that at one point? 
Probably. Well, Drake did. Drake, Drake did. did. In three. He then did. Yeah, out of the plane. But yeah. But uh, I think I, I think that would be a, that would be the the character I would date. But both of those Solid. are excellent choices. But the best choice has to be Jade from Beyond Good and Evil, because huh. you start the game. Okay, she lives in a lighthouse. First of all, how cool would that be to live in a lighthouse? And it also doubles as an orphanage for poor kids. So she's like super compassionate, you know, loves kids, like works, you know, for a nonprofit. She loves nature, photography, and the game starts off and she just immediately takes charge, starts kicking like all the Dom's butts, like super independent. Her best friend is this fat, ugly, like pig. So she doesn't care at all about appearances. She's all about the heart the character inside of people. Plus, she has green lips. Who wouldn't want to kiss those awesome green lips? So, I think it has, <laughs> has to be Jade from Beyond Good and Evil. She's such such an awesome character. Ubisoft, whoever, someone, please release Beyond Good and Evil Two. Make it happen. I need more Jade in my life. All right. And on that right. note, um, we probably have chased off half of our viewers by now. By how weird <laughs> exactly. that probably was. Oh, yeah. hit, hit us up on Twitter. Out of Jade, Elena, and Princess Zelda, who would you most want to date um, if you could? All right, out of those three. Or maybe you, yeah. you have a different choice. So hit us up on Twitter, at HeyListen underscore games. So uh, we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts there. Um, so <laughs> Sounds uh, good. Obviously, today is Valentine's Day um, for you guys who are listening to this. Um, so we hope you guys are having a great Valentine's Day, and uh, we'd love to hear your, your thoughts of... Um, you know, your topic of everything we talked about today on the show. Um, before we uh, head out, we just always like to um, leave you with what, what we've been uh, playing this week. Um, I know for me, I, I was kind of had a busy week. Didn't get to jump into too many things um, this weekend. But uh, I did did take Donkey Kong over to a friend's house and introduce it to some friends who had never heard of it before. Like, they had heard of Guitar Hero. I'm like, this was pre-Guitar Hero, like, music rhythm console <laughs> gaming. Like, this is the real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, we had a ton of fun with it. We the only problem was we were playing it through a Wii, which was plugged into a, like an old HDTV, and so the audio lag like with those component cables sometimes gets like a little bit off. So it made it kind of hard to play along to the music. Oh, but, I didn't uh, even think about that. Yeah, like I know Guitar Hero kind of had that issue for a little bit. Um, yeah, but, Guitar Hero had that a lot. Yeah, so that was kind of a weird issue, but it was it was a lot of fun. They had tons of fun smacking the drums. Like, after done the work, my arms are so tired. Like, my hands hurt. <laughs> like, like, after a while, just pounding on those things gets to you. But I had a lot of fun with that. And then I actually jumped into Super Mario World uh, this weekend. I After playing some NES Classic um, with some friends, you know, playing lots of games there, Wanted to jump into some classic Mario, and I forgot how uh, how difficult that game is. the The newer two D Mario games are pretty easy, but uh, Super Mario World has some has really great level design and uh, has a good challenge to it. So mm. um, I'm probably you know going to play all the way through that game this next week or two. Um, just you know that's one of my all time favorite games. So um, have you guys played Mario World a ton? Um, I know you guys didn't really have Super Nintendo's growing up, did you? I played it a uh, lot, honestly. Uh, oh, Rob, you did? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was always over at friend's house playing that one. Yeah. <laughs> that one was, that was a classic. That was, I still, that was a great I still one. I think that's like one of the best like launch games like of all time, like Super Mario World. Such an amazing oh, yeah. game. Oh, yeah. That was super fun. Yeah, I loved playing Super Mario World. 
it was super challenging and he just gave a it was such a unique take on sort of the explore everywhere you know and kind of going throughout the world and everything and yeah, different levels and all there's so, so many levels there's like 80 87 or something like that there's tons there was of so many there. i don't think i ever beat it because there were so many and i was obviously playing at friend's house so yeah if you don't go through yeah. star world it's definitely very tough and challenging to, to figure out everything but i they added mm. yoshi in that game too which was a lot of fun um he's been oh yeah staple since then um but other than that just playing fire emblem heroes i finally finished up the uh the ninth chapter so I finished all the story chapters um um wasn't really impressed by the story i like how it builds in lots of different characters in the different games but having really only played fire emblem awakening and a touch of the game boy advance one um it was kind of hard to appreciate all of them i guess but um yeah, I, I know with games like that, they kind of add, you know, updates and new chapters, you know, throughout its lifespan. So look, looking forward to, to adding more things in there. But um, yeah, uh, overall, I'm pretty, pretty happy with my experience. Nice. Do you feel like you're, um, do you feel like you're pretty much done with Fire Emblem Heroes now that you beat the story? Or do you think you'll be, yeah, keep grinding for, for the to most get part, characters and for the stuff? Most part, um, I think I'll probably still log in daily because they still give out i think a couple orbs every time you log in uh once per day yeah and so i'll probably log in every once in a while maybe do a few missions but um i'm kind of done putting you know more than probably five ten minutes into the game <laughs> um okay into the game every cool. day, yeah. at least for now so nice yeah uh so for me this week um like jeff said is it's also been a really busy week for me and I have not had a lot of free time. Um, and the only free time I had to play video games, I actually ended up playing once again, Agatha Christie, uh, with like, I haven't yet. I'm really close. I'm super close. Um, with playing through my scene library, I kind of made the commitment to play through it as much of it as I could, but I also wasn't necessarily opposed to stopping and playing the game for a lot longer if I really got into it. And I've gotten into it. I really want to, I really just, it's kind of a fun challenge to just sort of play through it. And so I'm like, I want to beat this. <laughs> you want to see the conclusion of the story, don't you? Yeah. And I mean, it's not necessarily a long game. I mean, I've probably only put two or three hours into it okay. and I still have a little bit more to go, but not much. I mean, I'm I'm well over fifty percent of the way done, and so solid, nice. Um, yeah, I'm also kind of the same boat as these guys. I didn't have a ton of time to play games um, this weekend. I moved, and so there was a lot going on. But I did do a couple things. Um, first off, I played the uh, For Honor had an open beta this last weekend. Oh yeah. Um, so I downloaded that, jumped into that with a good friend of the show, uh, Sir Mister Fields on Twitter, Adam. Um, and uh he's he was really really excited for that game like he's buying it day one and um has been following all the updates and stuff like that so i played it um with him for about two hours online and that was a lot of fun um the combat um it's really cool the way they've structured it kind of um you can block there's three different directions you can block you can block either up down left or right and then you can attack um in each of those directions as well then obviously you have to kind of outweigh your opponent um and kind of attack um hopefully they're not blocking and then there's also a little um kind of bonuses and stuff like that um and combos that you can do um so it makes it a lot of fun i had a lot of fun jumping into that um kind of experiencing it i don't think i'm going to pick the game up at least definitely not at launch um i enjoyed it and they kind of have this big long plane of uh what they want to do with um kind and of DLC seasons and, story, and, and stuff yeah. like that and dlc and all that um and i i I enjoyed it, but I thought I didn't see it as a game that I could 
get it really into and play for months and months and months on end. Like I would probably pick it up, play it for maybe like 15, 20 hours or something like that. And then yeah. that, it. it did sound like, you know, like it is a lot of fun and, you know, it's, it's something different. And I think we can appreciate, you know, Ubisoft, you know, trying something with a new IP and then, you know, a little bit different of a direction. Yeah. So yeah. Like, it's, it's definitely a different direction. I don't, there's not like a ton of collectibles, at least that I saw like to run around and collect on the map and it's not a, open world game so yeah, it's more, more they're, like they're doing different things which is we don't really have a lot of like yeah. biking type themed games necessarily so no exactly so cool. no so, not really um and it's kind of an updated take on some of the there's like the the war of rose or uh chivalry warfare you know kind of those like multiplayer hack and slash medieval games it's sort yeah. of like an updated version of that of yeah. those, and so I I think it looks interesting, but like you said, I don't think I would put more than fifteen twenty hours into it and then not really play it much after that, just because not because it's not an interesting idea, but I think just the gameplay wise, because I I watched a lot of gameplay this weekend as if I you know whenever I was not doing anything, I would kind of watch people playing it and sort of seeing how it was, and the gameplay seemed really challenging. Um, and just hard to really get into and it enjoy. Looks a little repetitive to me, <laughs> but I've been trying yeah. it yet. So yeah, I mean, basically there was different modes, like but kind of. Yeah, the the combat felt really good. Like, um, the felt like a really good weight to your swings and stuff like that, and how you were attacking. And there was kind of like computer generated um, opponents, basically, and they're pretty easy to kind of cut through. Um, mm -hmm. Remind me a little bit of like Dynasty Warriors, usually like one or two hits yeah. and you can take them out. And then, oh, yeah. um, but then. Usually each map there's like four um, actual players you're playing against, and obviously they are playing against those in real time, and so they're a little bit harder to um, defeat. And yeah. you kind of um, like the main mode was called Dominion, and you kind of had to like take points and push points and uh, gain a certain amount of points mm -hmm. through doing that. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was fun. Cool. Alrighty, well I think that about wraps up our show um, today. So uh, next week we will also be pre-recording uh, that episode, and we'll. Hopefully, we're going to be having a uh, special guest on uh, to, to uh, chat with you guys about uh, video games. So uh, be sure to be looking forward to that. We will leave you with um, Aerith's theme from the Final Fantasy VII official soundtrack. Happy Valentine's Day, and uh, good luck in love. <laughs> Keep loving. <laughs>